Welcome to Media in the Mix, the only podcast produced and hosted by the School of Communication at American University. Join us as we create a safe space to explore topics and communication at the intersection of social justice, tech, innovation, and pop culture. Welcome back to Media in the Mix. Today I have Grace and David joining me, both AU alumni, and so excited to talk about the work they've done on their own, the work they've done together, and their experience at AUSOC. So, uh, Grace, David, do you want to give a quick intro? I'll let Grace go first. (laughs) Hello, I'm Grace. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I went to the program at AU, graduated during the pandemic, (laughs) and I don't know. (laughs) The the important keynotes to hit were what program you did in the year you graduated, so. Cool. And David, what about you? I am Dave Rock. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I graduated from AU with my MFA in uh, 2014. My thesis films on the space program. I got a little poster behind me still from that. I, after graduating, I, I worked for NOAA, federal government, for three years. And... Uh, after a total of seven years in D.C., decided to head back to the Great Lakes State where I started Great Lakes Outreach Media. So I, I'm i doing that now. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, let's start with just a few fun questions. So um, do you have like a favorite class at AU that you remember, a favorite memory, a favorite project, anything you could really highlight? You know, one of the main reasons I settled on AU was after visiting, I sat in on one of Bill Gentile's classes uh, some afternoon. And this guy was talking about, you know, dodging bullets and being embedded with Marines in Afghanistan. At the same time, he was talking about, you know, doing his little scene drawings that he, he, he has his little formula that he's drawing on the uh, dry erase board up there. And there was just something about Bill where I was like, this guy's a badass. I want to, I want to sit in his class and learn from this guy. It seems like he just was full of stories. And, um, uh, you know, his class is great, but just uh, becoming, growing to be really good friends with him. Stayed in touch. We're in touch a lot. And uh, uh, he's just, you know, left a, a big impact on me before I was even a student and, uh, you know, continues to be someone I, I interact with regularly on what's up, what we're doing, what we're working on, things like that. Yeah, that's so, great. I love Bill. He's a, it, honestly, till this day, still the same Bill, you know? Oh, yeah. Brother <laughs> Bill. There. Yeah, I remember when I was an undergrad, I only took, I believe, one of his classes, but he left such a just lasting impression on me because of the stories he had, just like the way he carries himself, just a, a cool, cool go up. Cool guy. And great um, parties. Great yeah. parties. <laughs> I wouldn't know that one, but that's awesome to know. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And then um, obviously we you know, have to ask this question, but how do you feel like your master's program and AUSOC kind of launched you into your career or prepared you for your career? And even if it's just like one little aspect that's kind of stuck with you, is there anything you could speak to on that? Yeah, I think the main thing I was looking for when I came to AU, other than the environmental focus within film, was just to get to meet people and kind of grow a community of people that were interested in the same type of thing, because it is super niche. 
and it's exactly what AU gave me. So <laughs> I like that. Yep. Yeah, it's like we were talking before we hit record, but just the the people in my own cohort that have gone on already. Like I've only been out of the program for like two years mm-hmm. somehow now, but yeah, friend have friends doing video producing at NASA and Nat Geo, and just so cool. really impressive, cool, humble people. All in all, it's cool. 100%. David, what about you? Yeah, you know, I I really like the where where AU is positioned, you know, geographically, not just academically. I think that if you're if you're interested in nonfiction storytelling, a big a big pull to American University is the fact that you're in DC, you're where the biggest decisions in the world arguably are made and there's, I forget how many thousands of NGOs and organizations all striving to gain attention for their initiatives or their projects. And that's an opportunity for really anyone in this field to sort of insert themselves and offer their skill set to help an organization meet you know, meet their audience, meet, you know, meet new people, meet new audiences, communicate what they're doing. And uh, so you're not going to find that, you know, in the, in the, in the middle of the woods in North Carolina, probably. Uh, So I, you know, and then, and then a lot of, a lot of universities are full of staff that went on, got their degree, got their advanced degree, and then just immediately started teaching. And from a purely academic standpoint, I'm sure that's fine. But when you're talking about an industry that requires actual you know, skills and experience, uh, networking is huge. Um, you know, everybody that I learned from, for the most part, was either had either worked in the field for extensive amount of time or was still working in the field. And and that's just so important for being able to connect what you're learning to that next step into into the workforce or you know creating your own job whatever that might be and i think you just you know like what grace just said it's like these folks are working at nat geo um nasa etc i know a lot of folks that are independent producers now you know creating content for hbo or you name it and so um, I think you can probably gain practical skills like that elsewhere, but I think the, the connections that the, the staff have to industry is really key to helping folks take that next step. Yeah, that, that's great, actually. That really just answered my question. Um, can you tell us about the project you guys worked t- together on and how did that come about? So David, how did, you know, how did you get Grace onto the project? Was that a recommendation? Did you guys have yeah. a network that you built together? Yeah. So Grace and I did not know each other. Um, you know, we were separated by a few years there and I had been working on a project about Lake Erie and had accumulated about, I don't know, 110 hours of footage uh, interviews of scientists, characters interacting with Lake Erie farmers, farm fields, all sorts of folks. And uh, with um, an editor that I work with all the time, uh, we 
produced a, a number of short pieces for Detroit Public Television that kind of, you know, gave us a little bit of a budget to keep getting the material that was needed. But ultimately, like, you, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't have a, a mechanism or a producing partner that could help really get this thing across the finish line. And I was emotionally exhausted. Um, but I knew that there was something there and that's when, um, you know, I, I don't remember exactly how this conversation unfolded, but I, I was chatting with Maggie Stogner, uh, and, and I was just sort of telling her what my issue was. And she was talking about a project she was working on. I was talking about my project and how do I get it done? And she said, you know, you really should talk to Grace. And here's Grace. And, and she, she should tell her side of the story. But, um, you, you know, I was, I was a little nervous about just, handing 110 hours of footage over to someone who's in school still it seemed like if i was in grace's shoes i would have like been like are you nuts are you kidding me like what am i gonna do with this and she just i don't know grace maybe after our zoom calls you went away and cried or something like that but she just seemed to like be just so cool and calm and collected and she got the job like done and um yeah i'm excited for wherever grace goes from from this point on so grace yeah i wanted to hear your side of that story <laughs> my side i was i mean yeah covid hit i keep talking about covid but it was a big part of my grad school experience obviously yeah but i had like i mean two or three semesters left probably of the program. I had a full semester of classes going when COVID hit. We left for spring break and just like didn't, I never came back to campus. And so, and then I moved home for about a year and a half to save money because the city was shut down, campus was shut down. I pulled the plug on my thesis that I had spent like not a year planning, but I had a whole nother project that I had planned and I was going to shoot it in the summer of 2020. So I pulled the plug on that, but it worked out for the best because I got to work on a much bigger project. So basically I was kind of sitting there thinking like, how am I going to keep my degree on track during like when all the production stuff was shut down. And then like literally David just like called me one day <laughs> and was like, I have a project that's in post and it's Great Lakes themed, which is my, I wanted that as a thesis because I'm also from Michigan and was trying to make a Great Lakes related thesis project and for some reason he trusted a student with the thing and <laughs> you know so well, and you got yeah. you got like I feel like you know and I only know the part of this but I feel like you also got a great experience working with Zach definitely yeah it was super informative I mean it's it was great to just be able to sit with put the same footage for such a long time I mean I I took to add to the like fact that he trusted me with the footage, like I had only edited something probably 10 or 15 minutes long before working on this. And so like thinking about story structure that long and like working with David and Zach on that was super informative, like for everything I've gotten to do since. Uh, what do you, what's like your first step when you get handed 110 hours of footage? Like what is, what is that first, you know, what's your game plan there? 
Uh, oh. Just kind of stare at it. <laughs> I relate to that. <laughs> I, I'd be like reaching for the Xanax, like, you know. We had like meeting, I mean, what, we met once a week for like, how long? Five months, four months? They're all, you know, like all those are recorded. So I, we should, we should, go through, we should go through those sometimes. <laughs> oh, fun. Just all sit back in a room and watch our Zoom yeah. meetings. It probably feels like a different person, you know, when you're like in the stress of a project and then you remove yourself. Yeah, they were, we were meeting like every week for a little while. And then there was like, you know, give me some time to go be with this and then we'll reconvene. And uh, I think at one point, like, you just dropped like an eight hour cut on our doorstep or something like that. Yeah, there was all this footage. And I think Zach was just like, either you or Zach was like, you should just make a timeline of like all the stuff that seems somewhat usable. And he had so much footage from, I mean, I don't know how long you filmed. I forget, like a summer or... You know, we yeah, like most of a summer, part of a fall, and I think like you know there was like one or two like winter pickups, mm. something like that. Yeah. So yeah, they were just like go through all the footage and make an export, throw it on YouTube, and they were like, it'll probably be like I think Zach was like it'll probably be like nine hours long, and it ended up being like seven and a half hours worth of footage, and then they went through and watched it and helped make a like a. Um, what's the word like an outline and yeah. then we kind of went from there I think like I you know we didn't we didn't really work off of a script or a treatment like I think you probably or a treatment for sure but we didn't work off a script or you know really trying to fit the thing into a you know a, a, a show or something like that um, I think you know, and in that in that respect, like I think this happened a lot more organically, which was personally how I like to work. Um, but I, like it was like I pretty much just told you guys like these who these are who I think the main characters are. These are like the main points that I think we need to get across. I think this person goes through this change. I think this person illustrates this point, and like. Um, I think that these are some of like the bad guys, but we have to kind of be nice to them. And like, that was it. Like that was pretty much it. And then, then you guys like ran with it. That's awesome. And did you guys learn something from each other that maybe you didn't know before? Well, we didn't know each other before, but. <laughs> <laughs> you learned of the other. <laughs> That's great. No, I, it all just speaks to, um, we try to really emphasize like talking to your professors for our students, especially the reason why we started this podcast is hopefully for our students to pick up on tips and tricks like that for them to, you know, when they're in the program and also post-program. Um, and it's been really hard sometimes to convince your students that like our professors do some cool stuff outside of this and they could probably connect you to a lot of cool people, but you know, Maggie was probably a really, you know, when, when someone hears Maggie Stogner give a recommendation, I'm sure you're not giving it too much thought otherwise, because that's a very trusted individual who has a great resume. You know, it's things like that where um, it's, yeah, we've really tried to reiterate that to our students. So I actually really appreciate you guys talking about that today because it kind of speaks right to that. You know, you just never know what opportunities are going to come outside of the classroom. Um, and all, a lot of our professors are vehicles for that. Like I, Grace, I saw that you worked with Laura Waters Hinson on Street Reporter as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was spent about four months on that one, which oh. was also, I mean, that was a cool experience too. Yeah. Especially with the result of it after the fact, it's like, 
yeah it's been awesome. it's done great and working with laura too is like her brain is awesome <laughs> my favorite professors than just people in general she's awesome her creativity yep. is great yeah that's awesome and then um i'm gonna ask you both just a little bit of individual questions um and i know grace you and i were kind of like talking about this a little bit prior. we should have just zipped the entire time. yeah i know we should have. <laughs> um but can you just kind of tell the audience a little bit about like what was your why we, we call it like the Maggie calls it your call to action, right? Like what was your personal call to action that you follow that kind of wanted to make you go into the, into this industry? That's a good question. Especially like environmental documentary filmmaking and all of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have like a specific call that like nothing specific happened where I was like, there's oil in the river. I must document, you know what I mean? But like, I think I just grew up like, I mean, in the middle of nowhere and just go into the cornfields. And then I grew up on a little lake that was like a little mud, a little muddy lake thing. And there's frogs and turtles and swans and stuff. And so from when I was like 10, I was taking like blurry pictures of great blue herons and stuff. And so I, I just, and then I went to college and I was getting into like written communication and writing annual reports and working for nonprofits. And I was like, you know, I want to get more creative again. And I've always loved cameras. Let's go get some like official training on that kind of thing. And then I hit AU and I was just like, Oh, this, this is great. Like week one of boot camp, I was like, this fits somehow. So yeah, I don't know. I think I'm kind of finding, finding my why with each project. <laughs> That's awesome. And then David. So I, I loved reading about you because I feel like I'm, I am your target audience in the sense of, Sometimes I need someone to visually show me something that I wouldn't otherwise understand in words. Does that make sense? So like someone to, you know, take what if even scientific research or like field day research and turn it, teaching how, teaching someone how to turn it into something visual um, is like up my alley because that, that's what helps me understand. I'm a very visual learner. Um, can you kind of speak to that in like the work that you did with Noah and like kind of just teaching people how to translate this um, into the world and like why that was important for you. Yeah, that's been, that's been kind of an evolution. You know, I was never, you know, after sixth grade science and math became like too complicated for me to really understand, you know, like chemistry skills are terrible. Um, I'd probably be better at all those classes now because I, you know, like, would be a little more interested in them. And I think being interested is a, is a huge part of all this. Um, when it went from, you know, like, look at the planets to, um, you know, when we add this substance to this substance and covalent and bonds and all that, like, I was like, wait, wait, what? You know? So, I, you know, I, I really stepped away from all that. Um, and, I was actually on the path of doing like feature filmmaking, I think initially. And at a, at a early stage and I was still in college, a, a friend's aunt who worked for an environmental organization had a small grant. Uh, she knew I did video work and she had a small grant. And she's like, would you be interested in telling the story of this chemical company that was in our you know, that polluted our lake and did all this bad stuff. And, and I was totally interested in that. And, and it gave me the opportunity to 
step away from like the script writing act, you know, working with actors and all that planning that goes into that um, to, to dive into a real true occurrence, you know, something that actually happened um, and being able to spend all this time in the library and talking to photographers that, you know, had worked for newspapers that were photographing this story as it unfolded over the years. I just fell in love with that process. Um, and that coupled with my, you know, at the same time, like I'm obsessed with the X-Files at this stage in my life and sort of the, the, the fear of the unseen menace, which also seemed to be similar to what we were dealing with, with this story about this chemical company that, hatcheted all these barrels full of toxic waste and then it just kind of goes into the the soil never to be seen or heard from again but then it like it's rearing its ugly head in in ways that that you don't necessarily see with increased cancer rates and you know people's ice makers you know creating ice cubes that smell a little funny and so like the the whole idea of this unseen menace in 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 the as a storytelling element like was really kind of appealing to me and and beyond that just the idea that um human beings were as it became clear to me like human beings were capable of doing very damaging lasting things to the environment um and they may not be noticeable just at a glance you know, and so I think to your point about like communicating things that are hard to show on, on camera, like the scientific process, um, it, to, to, to me, it's a, it, the scientific process sort of has baked into it, the, like the Shakespearean three act structure where, you, you know, you're asking a question, you go out to, you know, disprove it or prove it. And then either you get the result you expected or you learn something new. And, and that's the, that's a three act structure. And that's, that's, that's what we see in traditional Western storytelling. I think that the biggest challenge with like science communication, you know, some stuff's really glamorous and glossy and it's really easy for people to see and be able to relate to. Um, and, you know, the science can sort of stand on its own in terms of, you know, talking about it is exciting enough. But a lot of times, um, you, you know, scientists are working in such niche areas of study that, you know, looking at the, the DNA structure of, of a particular, you know, molecule or something, um, and so the trick, the trick is to, to be able to contextualize that in a way that means something to other people. And so like when you're working with Noah, you know, all this government funding is going towards this kind of research. They have to justify that every year. Um, and so you really got to kind of step back from the particular research and put it in this broader context of, you know, an area of study that we're learning something more about. So it could be, um, you know, maybe something as basic as 
stomach contents of fish or something like that. That in and of itself, there's probably some people that find that interesting. But as we step back and ask like, well, you know, who cares? You know, then we then we can start telling the stories about people who who are fisher people or um, people that interact with a, a resource in some way and tie that research that's being done, you know, back to this person's connection with their grandfather, you know, fishing off this pier or something and like tie that back to what, you know, what we're studying in the stomachs of this little fish. So I think it, it science communication just offers so many creative challenges um, that, um, you know, the possibilities are, are, are really only limited by your imagination. So that's why I, I like it. And I like knowing that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm hopefully helping scientists continue to get the funding they need to, you know, keep exploring. Mm-hmm. You feel like they kind of opened up to a whole new digital world through that because I feel like they could possibly reach different people that they wouldn't normally reach in their like you know original avenues I guess distribution. Well, maybe maybe Grace has something to say about this too. But like you know, like next week I'm going to the International Association of Great Lakes Researchers Conference, and that's a whole lot of folks that have been professors for a long time, and they're you know, there's certain of the way that they've been doing things. But what you see with a younger generation of, of scientists is this value and understanding of communication. And right. on, a, on a small level, maybe that's Twitter. Um, on another level, maybe that's like Instagram stories or something where they're, you know, showing in real time, like kind of like what the thing is that they're working on and maybe placing themselves and their enthusiasm into, into the process. So I think I think I think science communication itself is becoming more um, more common among scientists. Okay. Um, but it but it's also like a t- we're also at a time where it's kind of necessary because there's a, there's a whole section of our population which seems to uh, have a disdain for experts and. Um, you know, that, that like everybody's their own expert now. You don't need right. a doctor. You're like you can go do your own research kind of thing. And and I think that scientists serve themselves well and they serve their organizations well if they can sort of personalize the, the experience of doing science um, and, and relate it in, in a way that means something to someone who may not think the way they do. Right. And Grace, do you have anything to add to that point? Um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely, I guess, just so many different types of science communication and different types of videos and things that are needed. Like, it just depends on what you're like, who you're speaking to and what your goal is. <laughs> Sometimes you don't need like a huge funded video, I guess. Other other times you do. <laughs> Good to know. And then last question, as we wrap up here, can you guys just tell us where you're at now, what you're up to, if there's like a specific project you want to highlight or really anything? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, my spring, I've been working on a series of science storytelling videos for the National Park Service, which is still, it's in conjunction with AU. Um, it was, it was a fellowship that I got in 2019 and 
COVID hit. Okay. I was going to say, so what happened? Yeah. And so they rolled it on and they, Maggie worked on it with me and I was able to do it as a contractor instead of a student and build it out even more. So are you working with like Sarah Gulick? No, um, not, I mean, we're not working with that office of the park service. We're worth working with the DC, uh, chapter, but so I've, I got to film, I'm working on a project about rattlesnakes in Katakin mountain park and then native plants and pollinators and wolf trap. And then I got to go down to the dry tortugas, which is off the Florida keys and film, which was awesome. one of the coolest projects I've gotten to do so far. Um, very cool. that was very cool. And I'm excited. Um, that one's almost done in the, in the edit. So hopefully I can share it soon. Yeah. Exciting things. And please keep us posted. We always love hearing, uh, what our alumni are up to. So, and David, what about you? Uh, a lot of bread and butter work, which is, uh, uh, I, I do a lot of work with Detroit Public Television for the Great Lakes Now uh, series that they have that gets put out to like 18 different PBS stations, I think. Um, so there's always just a number of projects throughout the year that that they call, either I pitch to them or they call me up and they're like, would you go shoot this? Uh, finishing up a project for Noah here on using autonomous vehicles to collect data in the winter when they can't get their boats out and big passion project that I've just kind of been casting a really wide net on is kind of building, building off of the Erie situation, which is very sort of a regional story has national implications, but taking a step back and examining more broadly agriculture in America and specifically the farm bill and through the language of the farm bill, how that's either incentivizing or disincentivizing certain ways of producing our food while examining like the consequences of doing things a certain way, as well as like the power structure that um, sort of uh, perpetuates some of the issues that we we see with it now so that's going to probably be another three three year project wow okay well, good luck to you both all of that sounds exciting and before i close this out is there anything that i didn't touch on that you all want to touch on go eagles yeah <laughs> eagle always an eagle a good way to end it um no really thank you both so much i know y'all are busy so thank you for taking time out of your schedule and please please let us know rather the office if you guys are ever um both in dc at the same time because maybe we can do more of like an in-person um some type of part two episode sure well we were gonna be like what no, no. I, we, we did have it back and forth about it 